Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Mark ten thirteen through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He saw, said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the, the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Good job, you guys. Am I on? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, is that, is that good? Am I coming through? Yes, thank you. What's better than a root beer flow? That's what I, I took that away for sure. Welcome, you guys. My name is Michael Salas, and I am the children's director here at Arbor Church. And I have the honor and exciting privilege of sharing with you about the little children in Jesus. And so... As we get going today, that last chapter we heard that is in Mark 10, 13 through 16 is really where I'm going to put my focus today. And my question that I have for us as we really dive into unpacking this not really big scripture is, can we see and love people the way Jesus sees and loves people? So I have a few questions as we're going through this, as I'm reading this, unpacking this. And the very first thing that I come up with is, What's going on with this whole scenario? Who is Jesus? I recognize that maybe if you've been churched your whole life or you're not sure what this Jesus person's all about, I thought I'd give you a little small timeline, okay? This is not a perfect timeline. I'm just going to read through this. Uh, there are more things that have happened, but here we go. During Jesus' baptism, early stages, the voice of God proclaimed, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm pleased. Jesus, after that, he confronts Satan. I'm going to just start rattling these off. Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Jesus calms a raging storm. That's a very popular children's ministry story. <laughs> Jesus heals a woman who touches his clothes because of her belief. Jesus raises a girl from the dead. Jesus heals a little girl possessed by a demon after her mother, who's not Jewish, expresses faith in Jesus' healing power. Jesus feeds thousands using a boy's lunch, and Jesus heals a boy possessed by an impure spirit. So, again, this is not a full timeline. It's not a full list of all the things that have happened with Jesus at this point in time. But my point is this. The parents in this story would have heard of Jesus by this time. They would have, word of mouth would have gone around. Some people saying, this is the Messiah. Some people saying, this is a man who performs miracles. He heals. He blesses. It's an amazing thing. 
And so before I start unpacking that, there is something in the verse that really caught my attention, and that is this idea of laying hands on each other. If you've been in church before, you've probably heard of people laying their hands on people, and if, maybe if you haven't, I wanted to unpack that just a little bit, okay? So the first thing is this. The, uh, there are, I'm really going to focus on three, four ideas here. The first idea is there is a commission into ministry. If you believe you've been called to serve in ministry, this is a very common thing in the scripture where people lay hands on someone and pray over them before they start serving in that ministry. The next is to receive the Holy Spirit or gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes when people pray over someone, especially in Acts, we see this, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They start manifesting certain gifts of the Holy Spirit. And really, here's where I'm going to sp spend most of my time, especially because of the scripture, is there's blessing and there's healing. So the very first one I want to focus on here is healing. And I'm going to read from Luke 4.40, okay? Luke 4.40 says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying hands on each one, he healed them. This is in Galilee. This is... Uh, a time where people were starting to understand who Jesus is, and it's a, a great example of healing. The next one, I'm going to fast forward and go to Acts. I'm going to give a little bit of background. If you, ha I'm sure many of you have heard of the Apostle Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And as Saul, he was on a mission. He wanted to imprison Christians. He wanted to execute Christians. He did not like people who followed Jesus. And so, What's happening here in this story is Jesus has met Saul on the road, totally wiped him out, blinded, and he, Saul has a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus instructs him to go to a city and wait. And in the city, he's going to get more information, something's going to happen, and this is where, where Jesus speaks to Ananias, and, and this is, again, after Jesus has already died on the cross, so this is, he's, he's, he's working through the spiritual world talking to Ananias, who is, a, who is a servant of the Lord. So here we go. Acts 9, 17 and 18 says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's that piece again. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. So healing is a very prominent theme when we lay hands on each other. Blessings. I'm going to take this one. I'm going to go way old school. This is Genesis 48, 14. Here's just an example of many times when people are blessed. The backstory on this, uh, Joseph, you may have heard of him before. He has two sons in this specific scripture, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he'd like his father Israel to bless them. And what happens here is it says, Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head. And though he was the younger and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. There's a lot more to unpack in that scripture. But in a nutshell, the whole point is we lay hands on, on people when we're blessing them, especially generationally that we see that in the Bible. So for our purposes, for this story, what I'm talking about really though is Jesus blessing the children. That's specifically Mark 10, 16. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. So I have a fun little quote here that I feel like encapsulates a little bit of what we're talking about. 
and that is this. In the book, Love and Respect in the Family, Dr. Emerson Egrix, and I probably butchered that last name, says, parents who believe in Jesus recognize their limitations. They need Jesus to do what they cannot. That is to bless, heal, change, strengthen their children. And so as I'm reading this, I, I, of course, preparing for today, I'm asking the question, why? Make sure that doesn't fall. Why do, Jesus, why do parents want to bring their children to Jesus? Why does Jesus want kids to come to them, come to him? And, and my answer is for blessing and for healing, like we just went over. Well, why do parents want to bless and heal their children? Why does Jesus want to bless and heal kids? And the answer for me is for freedom from bondage. Why do parents want freedom from bondage? Why, do, why does Jesus want to free people from bondage? And that's so that they can live life to the fullest. Why do we as parents want our kids to live life to the fullest? Why does Jesus want us to live life to the fullest? And the answer is because the parents love their kids. Jesus loves the kids. We love our kids here at Arbor. Jesus loves our kids here at Arbor. So I come back to the question, can we see and love people the way Jesus sees and loves people? So unpacking the scripture a little further, what is going on with the disciples? This is unusual. These disciples have been with Jesus for some time. They've seen what he does, what he says. There's a reason Jesus is indignant in the story. But for whatever reason, as parents are coming up, the disciples are going, uh, no, 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 not today. Get, get the kid out of here. We, Jesus is busy healing right now. Your baby is crying. We need you to move on, please. No, no, no kids. Get out of here. And Jesus does, is not happy with this, okay? Mark 10, 13 says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Something about the children seemed for the, uh, for the disciples in the story to not be important enough, not statusy enough. It, it's almost as if they had a different agenda. And what I want to do here is just tell you that the scripture doesn't unpack what's going on with the di disciples thinking. But we have some clues. This is just a, a possible explanation of what's going on here. And so... We go to the Old Testament for this, and there are different prophetic voices that are proclaiming who the Messiah is supposed to be, what's supposed to happen when he comes on the scene. And so, specifically, Isaiah 9, 7 says this, and as soon as I can get there, uh, he will rule as king on David's throne and over David's kingdom. He will make it strong by ruling with justice and goodness now and forever. It's, it's very possible that the disciples, as they were walking with Jesus, as they were learning from Jesus, were looking and going, yes, he's doing these miracles, he's healing our people, and what's about to happen soon is we're going to become the military leader, the strength that David was, and we're going to be able to conquer all around us, and there we will rule from on high. That could have very easily been the thinking that disciples had, and why they're going, sorry, we don't do kids today. We're busy with Jesus' work. So that could have very well been part of what's going on. But Jesus is indignant. He's not frustrated. He's not just kind of mad. He's indignant. And when I read this, I think about times when I was a kid, and I had a, either my mom or my dad, and I could tell that they're indignant. Um, and, and to set the scene, Jesus is in a scenario where Clearly, there are children around, 
And so in my head, I'm trying to unpack, what is this going to look like? He's indignant, so he's not screaming from the rooftops because he doesn't want to frighten people. But at the same time, he's trying to get his point across to the disciples who've been with him, who followed him, who should know better by now. So here's, here's how I envision this in my head. This is me taking it on from my old acting world stuff. Okay, so here we go. I imagine like my parents might have done at a certain point of time, eyebrows went up with Jesus. Eyes were not blinking. And he's talking through his teeth now. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I think that's the way it might have gone. I don't know. This is how I imagine it. But anyway, um, Mark 10, 14 says, Jesus saw this. He was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to these. So why does Jesus get angry? And when I think of Jesus, I think of a caring, of a loving, of a kind figure who is welcoming all the time. So we don't, I feel like we don't hear about Jesus being angry often. And so I, I thought I would just unpack a couple of places where Jesus actually got angry and what that's about. My first example is an example of hypocrisy. In Matthew 23, 25, and 26, uh, what's happening in this scripture is the teachers of the law and the Pharisees are looking for a way to corner Jesus. Um, they're basically looking for everyone else around them to live to a higher standard than they live by. And Jesus is calling them out on it. He's saying, I'm sorry, I'm not going to put up with hypocrisy. This is me. Uh, what is that? When you, when you shrink it down and not actually read the scripture. Uh, but th that's what's going on here is Jesus is, is calling out hypocrisy. And the, the scripture there says it angers him. Greed. In Matthew 21, 12, Jesus enters the temple courts drove out all those who were buying and selling there, overturned tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Greed was another issue where Jesus came in and got angry. He flipped over tables. Another point in time, he built a cord of whips and drove people out that way. Legalism. Legalism, if you've never heard this word before, it's putting rules over relationships, okay? So Mark 3, 1 through 6 says, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. I'm going to go through this scripture here. And what I want to talk about is in this time, the Sabbath, it was the law to rest. You were not supposed to work on the Sabbath because that's what the scripture said. You rest on the Sabbath, but they turned it into a law and they enforced it. And so what we're looking, the, the, the Pharisees are looking to do here is once again to corner Jesus and find a way to get rid of him because he's messing with their life. So Mark 3, 1 through 6 Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Now, if he healed him, that would be considered working, so that would be a problem. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or do evil, to save life or kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So why was Jesus indignant in those situations? And in the story that we're talking about today, it's because 
Every time we find a situation where Jesus is indignant, someone in the story is creating a barrier between someone else and God. And that's what's happening with the disciples in this story. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. So Jesus is indignant because of the love he has for the children, and the disciples can't see that. Barriers between us and God anger God. So I come back to the main point. Can we see and love people the way Jesus sees and loves people? And what did Jesus mean when he said, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is like, like a little child will never enter it? Okay, I have three kids. Uh, one of them had a mohawk and was reading up here today. Uh, it's a summer mohawk. And uh, um, yes, yeah, some people are like, yay. Some people are like, what are you doing to your kid? Um, so here, here's my thinking on this. To try to gauge what is Jesus talking about when he says you must be like a child, I'm, I'm looking for examples in my own life, and here's where my brain automatically goes to. There have been times where I come home, and along white walls, I see that one of my kids has walked a crayon all the way across the wall. And if that wasn't enough, it looks like they turned around and walked back. It would be kind of cool if they drew a, drew a picture of maybe a flower for me, or maybe a sunny day, or something. But for whatever reason, it was just walk in the walls with a crayon. I don't think that's what God was talking about. Um, <laughs> we used to have, this is, this is going to date me. I, I, I'm sure I've had people tell me I look younger than I am. Um, but we had a VCR and uh, yeah, woo, that's all my older folks with me there. Um, and, and one of my kids, we still had this VCR. We play video cassettes. And there's a time when I went in to put in a video for that child. I'm trying to keep them anonymous. So you're not like, ah, it was her. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I, I go to put a movie into this VCR and I look and there's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich stuck in there. I don't think that's what God's talking about either. Um, this is a fun example. Uh, this was not so long ago, actually. One of my kids goes, Dad, he's naked out there. Put your clothes on. This is not our house. That was one of my kids. Um, I don't think God's talking. I don't think Jesus is talking about being like that to enter the kingdom of heaven. But, uh, but I have a, um, in my notes here, those are my nice examples that I could use today. Um, so even though that's been my experience, that's not what Jesus is talking about. I think he's, he's really talking about this in Luke 10, 21. And to, to, I'm just going to dive into to it and then we'll unpack it a little bit. Luke 10, 21 says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. What's going on in this scripture is Jesus had commissioned 72 to go out and minister to people, to preach, to, to pray over people. And what they find is that when they preach and they, they pray in the name of Jesus, demons submit to the authority that's at play there. It's such a cool verse. And that, in my opinion, is what Jesus is really talking about. Attributes that I had here that are, are trust and obedience. Belief and confidence in the name of Jesus and following, modeling ourselves after Jesus. So to model ourselves after Jesus, in my opinion, is really the way we bring our kids to Jesus. Okay? 
I have a few points here. Prayer and gratitude. To lead by, by example, serving and loving people. And to embrace redemption. Uh, let's see here. So I'm going to start Psalms 104. For prayer and gratitude, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Jesus understood this scripture when he prayed and when he was with people. He practiced it and he taught it. And really my point here is I can't, I can't honestly think of any other or better way to bring our kids to Jesus than to stop and pray with our kids. I think it's huge. Uh, the next idea here that I have is serving and loving people. All right. This, I can't be up here and not talk about Arbor Kids. Like our kids ministry is so amazing. And it was amazing before I landed this job. Um, it, <laughs> it's, here's the thing. We have leaders here that love your kids, my kids so much. I don't know if you feel that or see that, but it is amazing. Yes, woo, please. I can't edify these people enough. It's amazing. Um, so when you think of children's ministry, oftentimes some folks kind of go, well, it's like babysitting, right? No, this is huge. This is ministry. This is the journey with Jesus. This is the video at the top of everything I talked about where people were influenced at a young age, had gone through some stuff in life, and because of the foundation that was laid from the beginning, they have this, this relationship with Jesus, this foundation to turn to when things start getting kind of rough in life. I think we've all experienced that. Or if you've had that foundation, you've experienced that. But, but what I'm saying, though, is... Uh, our leaders are amazing, and I'm honored to work with them. If I could, I'd stop and list them all out by name and tell you exactly how amazing it is that they do crafts with our kids, that they pray with our kids, that they sing and dance and do the fun motions, oh, happy day with our kids. It's so awesome, and I just am honored to get to serve with them. Uh, I, she's going to hate me for this, but my wife she has served with me with kids through this whole journey. And I don't know why, but she seems to be the one who gets peed on and who cleans up the big messes and the crazy stuff. I just happen to be not there when it happens, but she's amazing. And so I just want to give a special note for her on that. Um, yes. Uh, leading and loving people. So... The best example I can think of servant leadership with regard to Jesus is he washes his disciples' feet. Uh, scripture here, let's do this. John 3, 13, 6 through 8. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, you, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm going to do, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, <laughs> you shall not wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus was imparting to Peter what servant leadership really looks like. And that's something that I believe we can model to our kids. Um, I thought, I, as I was putting this all together, you know, when you're putting together a sermon, you kind of go, what can I get away with? And I thought I'd stop. Yeah, I know, I know. I thought I'd stop and go, okay, turn to the person next to you and look at them. And then I was going to go, okay, ushers, bring in the bowls and the soap and the water. 
but I figured I, I wanted you guys to like me today, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but loving people. Here's uh, an interesting segue into loving people. When I was in my early, mid-20s-ish, I drove this really awful truck. And it was one of those deals that it was, uh, you roll down the window like this versus pushing a button and it just mm, it comes down. And I was out in front of a local mall, the Alderwood Mall, and they've got those speed bumps and I'm coming along and, and I look out and I see a friend of mine from high school. He's kind of taller, his name is Brandon. And, and I'm like, oh, cool. And I stick my head out the window and I go, how you doing, you saucy beast? Only I didn't say saucy. And uh, as he kept walking toward me, I realized that's not Brandon. And so I slowly roll the window up and over the speed bump and just keep going. And what I come to realize not long after that is I have a disease called keratoconus. It affects your eyes. And uh, if we have the picture, I don't know if we have the picture. No, we don't have the picture. It was a picture of me with an eye patch with an M. I look like a scary pirate guy after the surgery. Uh, there was an actual eye surgery. It wasn't like a laser surgery. It was like the real deal kind of surgery. And what, why I tell you this is because before that surgery, I would be able to see people about the same time they saw me. And as they're walking up, I felt like I could kind of gauge if this is going to be a, like a, hey, how you doing? Or, a, okay, not going to deal with you today. And after the surgery, everyone had to jump on me. It just wasn't going to work for me. In fact, if I, once I saw them, it was usually after they saw me. And so then it was kind of this awkward thing where I'm like, <laughs> and um, I called up a really good friend of mine who is kind of a mentor in my life. And I asked him, I said, what, what do I do with this? I don't know how to gauge people and, and, and what to say as they approach. And his answer was profound. He said, smile at everyone and love them all. And I walked away from that going, that's amazing. Smile at everyone and love them all. How awesome would that be as, as we're all going out through our day, if everyone who walked up by you smiled at you and you felt you were loved by them. Moreover, how amazing would that be if we did that? So that's loving people. Uh, let's see, keeping on going with some scripture here. Mark 12, 28, 31 says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus said, The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You might say to me, and I've had people tell me this. Michael, I don't even like people. And I would tell you, pray that God would help you love people. Um, but that comes with a warning. And that warning is, if you ask God to help you love people, your heart will pay a price. And maybe that's why those friends, they're like, I don't like people. Because they don't want to feel that. We live in a broken world. And I'm honored to get to serve alongside so many here who have adopted this idea at Arbor that we are a church for the hurting, the lost, and the broken. And it's pretty amazing that we've been commissioned to do this. There is no greater way, in my opinion, to really step into loving people than to serve 
whether it's in the parking lot or the kids. And I just gotta say this morning, I, as I'm preparing for this, usually I'm kind of more hands-on in the classrooms. I think you guys see me sometimes running from room to room. I pull <laughs> off 10,000 steps every single week before noon. Um, and what I gotta say is looking out the window and not having hands on everything, I was so amazed to see our leaders in this church step up and the bounce house is coming up and the tables. And if you're watching this online, I'm sorry, you're missing it. But uh, it's amazing. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm humbled at this community coming together. I'm going to start closing this up here soon. Uh, redemption, embracing redemption. Luke 4, 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight Recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. The story of Jesus is about Jesus coming to earth to live a perfect life, one that we can't live, to redeem our brokenness, also called sin, so that we can have a relationship with God. He's removing any barriers or boundaries because remember, God hates those barriers. Jesus is doing the work and he does it because he loves us. He loves the children. Can we see and love people the way Jesus sees and loves people? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back now. And uh, I would like to point out, we have people here who are, are ready to pray with you. We at Arbor believe in the power of prayer. We believe that Jesus shows up when we ask him things. And um, if you are here available to pray with folks, where will I find you guys? We're, we're going to be up in this area over here. And so um, if at any point in time through this last week, through your last year, if while I was saying anything today, something struck a chord with you where you're going, I really would love for someone to pray with me. This is a cool thing. And like I said before, teach our children to pray with us. It should be a very common, easy thing that happens. So I would just like to invite you to come and pray with them if you're feeling at any level like you need to pray with someone. So I'm going to pray us out here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the children. Thank you for those who love the children and thank you for putting it in our hearts. We are so, so honored to get to serve you and to serve each other. We ask for your continued blessing. We pray for you to guide us and protection over all that we do, all that we say. And Lord, we just thank you so much. Jesus name amen.